listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from SDPN's Game Over series, and I'm joined by Mary Clark from For the Win. We have a quick show for you, I think, today, just because things have been progressing fast in the playoffs, and we want to keep the pace with that as well. Uh, Nathan McKinnon scored the goal of the playoffs, despite what Connor McDavid has been doing. Nathan McKinnon, that was uh, something special. And it ended up not really mattering, unfortunately. The Calgary Flames have been pushed to the brink by the Edmonton Oilers. Not what anybody expected in this series, but I think we've got to talk about how good the Edmonton Oilers have been. And is John Tortorella going to be the next coach of the Philadelphia Flyers? And if so, will it crush Mary's poor Flyers-loving heart? We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, but first, Mary, how has your week been going? Because I know, like, I don't want to start on too somber of a note, but I, I know that for me... And I'm not even American. It's been really rough to be focused on hockey right now. It's it's really, really hard. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. Um, I don't really have a lot to say other than just, you know, take steps back from social media if you need to. It's tough in this industry because we can't. Uh, thankfully, my work has been really good with, like, I wrote a handful of pieces the, the night of the shooting in texas i uh, had to write a handful of uh pieces because the sports world was reacting so of course it's news uh thankfully my bosses were like hey you can take the rest of the night off because you know it's heavy stuff uh so you know i've been taking breaks when i can um but it's just it's sad disappointing um not at all surprising given um you know the things in this country that have led to this continuing to be a thing that tweet always comes back in my mind that's you know once sandy hook happens and we allowed children to get murdered yeah nothing like and nothing happens nothing's going to change and it's really disappointing and hard to not to get bogged down in all that mess but uh do your best if you can um i have a wedding i'm going to this weekend so i'm you know going to hang out with friends uh it's memorial day weekend so it's going to be a long weekend hang out with family so hopefully that'll be a really nice reset but you know if you know, I, I know a lot of people are probably feeling this way, and I know I don't want to like drag it all down into the sad, depressingness, but that's just kind of how it is in the world right now. So, but take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, take time uh, as best you can, and you know, it's springtime, summer's right around the corner. Uh, get outside. Uh, you know, just clear your head as best you can. Uh, thankfully, though, there's been some really good hockey these past couple of days, so that's been you know. Uh, occupying my mind, uh, even though I am also mad at the avalanche for absolutely ruining <laughs> a story about Nathan McKinnon's incredible goal, and it doesn't even matter. I'm just, I'm so mad. I'm so mad, Andrew. I know I'm, like, transitioning into it right to you, but, like, you could talk about it, but I just, I need, I need you to know that I'm mad at the avalanche for doing this, <laughs> to me specifically, and I don't know, maybe whoever else was on their news desks writing that night you know, yep. you know this pain you know this pain of having the perfect story in it to be ripped away from you so yeah absolutely and i, I know a lot of people are going to want to just dive into escapism right now but mm -hmm. just off the top we had to mention what's going on uh with the elementary school shooting in texas because we can't pretend it's not happening like yeah. it, it's just not something that we can do and and live with ourselves so 
we will get into the hockey and into the fun stuff, but just know that that is weighing heavily on our minds. I looked at like my two kids the last couple mornings and, you know, can't imagine the pain of what the parents are going through and the teachers that were lost. Mm-hmm. It was a choice, you know, politicians in America are making a choice to allow that to happen. So it doesn't have to happen. Nowhere else does it happen. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Yeah. So Nathan McKinnon, uh, that was. Oh, Andrew, what a goal. What I a know. goal. Like, as that soon was... as he picks it up behind the net. Yeah. You can see something special is about to happen. Oh, just like I've seen people comparing it to the what was the McDavid goal that he like deked through all those Rangers defenders. Was that this season? That was like early in yeah. the season, wasn't it? Like McDavid, I've seen people, he did that like three times in the first half of this season. Yeah. Like I've seen people comparing it to that. And they're both really great goals. But to do it in the playoffs is just like, oh, man, Next that is I, that is the best playoff goal. At least I can remember. Like, I don't know. The, there's so many goals that get scored in the playoffs. And you remember a lot of them for like, you know, uh, if, especially if they're ones that win the Stanley Cup final um, and or in overtime. Like I think of like the Kings one uh, and, you know, Lundqvist when he like collapses onto the ice, just incredibly depressed. Obviously, I remember the one against the Flyers with the Blackhawks. <laughs> Because of course, I, mean, I that was a terrible will. goal though. Yeah, I mean, if I'm yeah. going to talk about a Stanley Cup winning goal against the Flyers, it's going to be Darren McCarty's goal. Okay, in the but 90s. I, I was like, I either I wasn't alive for that or I was too young to remember. So. <laughs> were you were you alive in 1997, Mary? I was, but I was four. So okay, too young to remember. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you haven't seen it, look it up because Darren McCarty is was like a 10 goal a season grinder, defensive, tough guy who played on the like vaunted McCarty Maltby Draper line of the, the nineties and early two thousands Detroit Red Wings. And out of nowhere, I think it was like his second or third goal of the entire playoffs. He just absolutely destroys Yanni Ninema's career mm-hmm. and lays one of the nicest goals you'll ever see on the flyers. And it was the Stanley cup winning goal. It is on. It's one of the greatest goals of all time, honestly. It's the. It's always against the Flyers. It's never. It's. It's always something with Philadelphia. I'll say that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was an incredible goal because at that point, uh, you know, Colorado back at home for Game Five. uh, Lots of awesome support for Nazem Kadri, which is really great to see. That was really awesome. Hundred percent. Like fans with signs and stuff like that, cheering him during, you know, when he came out for warmups and stuff like that. Just really awesome stuff. Then Colorado took a three nothing lead, basically nearly halfway through the game or close to it. And then the blues were able to chip away at that lead and, you know, tie it up three, three and like what the final five minutes of the third or something like that. Then a handful of minutes later, Nathan McKinnon pulls out that incredible coast to coast goal, just like silky smooth all the way through. Like I, I can't like describe it other than just like silky smooth. And then the movie pulled around whichever defender it was and then gets the puck over Billy Husso. What a goal. And that made it four three. Um, and then, yeah, like the, the avalanche weren't able to capitalize and get an empty net and the blue score and then tie the game up goes to overtime. They score in like the first five or however many minutes of overtime. And for me, that was a fitting ending because uh, it was nearing the end of my work shift. And I saw that McKinnon goal was like, I need to write this. This is going to be the goal that knocks out the blues. Like what a goal, what a story. And then it doesn't happen. And in Slack, I'm like screaming to like one other person who's there. And I'm like, I can't believe the avalanche would do this to me personally. But like, how do you not take advantage of an incredible goal like that? Like how, how do you let that slip away? Andrew, it almost under three minutes left. 
yeah, it feels like this could be a huge turning point. Like, obviously, like the series swings back to St. Louis, and there will be at max one game left in each of the cities in this series. How do you let that slip away? Like, this is just this could be tragic for the Avalanche if you know the worst comes to worse. And... Oh, did I lose you there, Mary? Okay. Talk about like momentum. Like, yeah. I, I lost you there, Mary, for a second. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Like, I was, I can see it on here, too. But I don't know what you were saying. I have no idea what will show up in the recording. So sorry. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I, we lost you at uh, whether this could be a huge turning point. Uh, for, oh, for the I was basically saying that, like, momentum between games, people say it doesn't matter. But, like, considering how the, the Avalanche have been haunted by, you know, not being able to make it out of the second round. It's possible. It was a very, I saw somebody say it was a very Maple Leafs-esque loss, and that feels apt to say. But, you know, it won't matter if the Avalanche are able to, you know, blow the doors off St. Louis or even just, like, you know, lock it down and win in Game 6. It's not going to matter, but it feels like an incredible missed opportunity here for them. Yeah, it does. It it does not look good at all. And I think those, like, uh, nervous feelings coming home to roost are a distinct possibility. But at the same time, I look at how this whole series has gone and i'm just i'm not convinced that st louis can do it like they've pushed hard the last two games but they've basically barely scraped out one win while darcy kemper has put up an 850 save percentage in game four and an 833 in game five like mm -hmm. all kemper has to do is be okay and the avalanche are going to win this series he needs one okay game <laughs> you know like so if he can do that in the next two games, I think they're going to be fine. I know there were defensive breakdowns, but at a certain point, you need your goalie to stop some pucks as well. Yeah. And yeah. he just hasn't really been doing that in this series. Like, uh, I, someone on Avalanche Twitter put it really, really well last night. It was like, no matter how dominant you are, you're never going to dominate games for the entire game. You're going to get caught in your own end. You're going to get times where the wrong line gets caught out and the wrong or it's the end of a shift and you don't clear the puck, that's when you need your goaltender to really step it up. And despite the fact that Kemper's overall numbers are okay in the playoffs this year, he just has not been able to help them in those moments. So they need a lot more from him. We know he's a very good goaltender. He had a rough start this year in Colorado and then pulled off at the end of the year, 921 in a year when goaltending stats were way down. He is a good player. He is a very good goaltender in his prime, you know, so figure it out, Darcy. You, you got to help your teammates win this because I think we've seen from the last few games here that Colorado scoring is going to show up. Yeah, exactly. And they still lead the series. So like, mm -hmm. the, you know, the Blues just come into game six being like, we kind of pulled off the impossible here. But, you know. You know, if Kemper locks it down and overall the team just plays pretty cohesively, uh, they, they should still have it. It's going to be, it would be a collapse of basically ep epic proportions if the Avalanche, you know, lose two games in a row here. Because they are the, the superior team. It's just, you know, they have to tidy up certain things. But, yeah, they're still, you know, at the, you know, basically, they, they just need to win one more game. And the Blues have to win two. So, yeah, it's just, I can see how it can be frustrating, but a lot of teams will say they'll put it to the side and, you know, move forward. And that's probably the best thing you can do here is just, you know, not think about how game five went. Uh, just make sure it doesn't happen again, basically. Yep. 
yep, reset and reload and be confident in the fact that you're a significantly better team, which they are. But, uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, they don't have the ability to lock things down that uh, Vegas did in, in St. Louis. I think they're a very high-powered offensive team, but I don't think they can stop the Avalanche the way that Vegas did last year. So, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, the Avs are losing uh, Sam Gerrard, right? That is a big yeah. hole on defense, but they've been great overall. I think this is a, a series that will likely not get out of control, but I did see some pretty testy Leafs fans that nobody's really giving Colorado that much crap about this because they did blow a three nothing lead, a three goal lead in the third period to lose in overtime, which is what the Leafs get dogged for all the time. But the difference is that uh, the Avalanche are still in control. Mm-hmm. The Leafs did that in game seven yeah, in 10 minutes. <laughs> so like, yeah. let's not get it twisted here. Yes, yeah, Avalanche have failed to get past the second round, but it's still... They've at least gotten to the second round. Yes, every time. So (laughs) there's a lot of success there that hasn't gone all the way, but something to lean on, which the Maple Leafs do not have. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And still, this is going to be a fun series. I really hope it continues, like, it, you know, goes long because, like, we're probably going to talk about, you know, in the next segment, a couple of uh, games that by the time you hear this... The series could already be over. Uh, well, actually, one of them will be. The other will, you know, the series is tied 2-2. But it feels like, you know, we, we've we gotten, we had such a great first round of games that went super long, or like series that went super long. And, uh, you know, now the second round is like, the Panthers got swept. And uh, the Oilers have the flames on the ropes. And just, I don't know. Um, and for a little bit, Colorado had uh, the Blues on the ropes. So, uh, I hope we see more long series, but we're going to, I guess, talk about the other uh, playoff series in the next segment. Yeah, yeah, we're going to hit on the other ones. But uh, first, I got to tell you about our partner in Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I don't know if you know this, but uh, when you're a parent, your diet takes a hit because especially when they get into the toddler years, kids are a little bit picky. And if it's not, you know, tan or white like bread or chicken nuggets or French fries, oftentimes they don't eat it. And unless you're willing to cook two meals every day, your diet doesn't uh, doesn't look that great either. <laughs> so Athletic Greens provides all of the amazing nutritional value that you're missing out on when you're stuck eating a toddler diet. And uh, it does so in a very quick drink in the morning. Don't have to worry about popping a thousand pills. They have 75 high quality vitamins, minerals and whole food source superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens. To help start your day right, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. It's a lifestyle to have Athletic Greens. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. While still tasting good, it supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness, And it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of their product of the best products on the latest science or based on the latest science, sorry, and constant product iterations and third party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. And you're investing in an all in one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five star reviews. Recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travels, uh, travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is NH- uh, athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens. Thank you for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with an analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Mary. So uh, I think, I believe both of us took the Calgary Flames in the Battle of Alberta. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So I feel like I'm trying to remember because even though this wasn't that long ago when we made our second round predictions, I know I picked it. I picked Florida, Calgary, uh, Carolina, and oh man, what's the last series? Oh, Colorado. Uh, Colorado. Thank you. I was like, yeah, it's been a week, guys. Uh, right, yeah, right now I'm very thankful to Colorado for making one of my predictions look good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, is, I'm, I'm uncertain about Carolina, New York, just because that series has been very tight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tampa proved me wrong on Florida. Yeah, and Edmonton. I I have to say, like, I'm not impressed with how Calgary's playing overall. Mm-hmm. Although I think they are the better even strength team, they just like haven't been playing their own style or like uh, pushing their own style is how I would put it. Outside of game one, but game one yeah. was funky. Yeah, so. game one was crazy. Mm-hmm. But overall, I have to like I'm really impressed with the Edmonton Oilers. Their yeah. ability to play this like quick strike offensive game, their depth has come through, their defense has been better than expected. Uh, Mike Smith is the ultimate agent of chaos in that he has been actually really good. And mm-hmm. then he lets in a 130 foot floater from oh the opposing God. blue line, which was hilarious and immediately blames his own teammates. Yes. Which is like, I almost dude. forgot that that goal happens. Like I, wow. Yeah. And- I think that's what impressed me the most about the Oilers. That goal goes in and the game is tied and immediately Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets back on the horse and gets the lead for Edmonton again. It's yeah, like they don't crumble. They don't yeah. crumble like like other got no Oilers fear. teams. Yeah, that like other Oilers teams in the past like weren't able to get like, started offensively especially when they let in or Mike Smith let in, you know, some bad goals that just weren't able to, you know, get over that mental hurdle but they're like, "Nope, our game now." Uh and just continue to and continue to play the way that they play. And yeah, I mean they they have such a quick strike game. Lots of uh, lots of like you know goals and plays off the rush. Uh, you know between McDavid, Andrew Kane, all that stuff. Like just <sighs> this team is. I wanted to say like in net the worst the oil or maybe one of the worst the Oilers have had in a while, but it doesn't feel like it's mattered because Mike Smith oscillates between like great and terrible. Yeah, like there is there is no in between with Mike Smith. No, and, and here you know what's the craziest thing about this series is you, you talk about attacking off the rush and how that's really Edmonton's bread and butter. That's true of both McDavid and Drysidle, mm-hmm. and Drysidle can't skate right now, mm-hmm. and he is the first player in NHL history to have four straight three point games in the playoffs. And he he's got a right he's got a high high ankle sprain. He cannot move. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like everybody's coming through for the Oilers right now, and they are not afraid of the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing I think is they are just not worried about the team that they're facing and they know that they can just go out there, play their game and score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's one of the biggest things too is it uh, 
the mentality shifted. Like you, you would have felt like after game one, Calgary would have had, you know, that, you know, we survived, but we also put up nine goals or whatever on them and yeah. chased Mike Smith or whatever, but it, it didn't really follow through since then. Like the, the hurricane, not hurricanes, geez, the flames, uh, uh, their uh weather effects basically so you can see why i got confused um but yeah the the flames just haven't looked like themselves and jacob markstrom like not really playing well either is like one of the bigger surprises here but uh i had heard or seen a statistic that he's been bad against edmonton all season so like i i know that that doesn't always correlate to playoff like you know the stats of the regular season don't often correlate to what will happen in the playoffs because they're two different games officiated two different ways and whatnot but still like he just hasn't looked like the goaltender that was able to at least match plus surpass jake ottinger in the first round like yeah it's not been there at all yeah we talked about it i think in the last episode that he was the one of the big reasons why the flames were able to get past jake ottinger in the first round is because you know jacob markstrom even though he was not making like the like nearly amount of saves that Ottinger was he you know was able to stop the goal or stop the shots that were needed and the flames were able to advance but he's just it's been night and day between those two these two series and you know it's tough if a goalie doesn't have confidence like it there's not a lot you can do besides you know hope they snap out of it and hope they you know save some like pucks that they should save but yeah I mean uh, the the flames just don't look like themselves and i hope for everyone's sake that we you know get back to you know crazy like it doesn't have to be game one game game one set the bar too high and that's probably our fault for hoping that it would be you know another flyers penguin series from what 2012 but still like the the flames are, are have their backs against the ledge here and they do yeah, they, they, they need as to, to what you were saying again. about as to what you were saying about Markstrom so far through four games, the Edmonton Oilers have seven point three eight expected goals at five on five. And Markstrom has allowed 15. Yeah, yeah. That like, would, that's uh... twice as much as he should be allowing twice. Yeah. That is not acceptable. No, it isn't. And it's a shame because like Markstrom, he's a Vezina candidate, right? Like. Yep. Yeah. Like he's a deservedly so too. Like yeah. he had an excellent season. I mean, we all know the Vesna is going to go to Shusterkin, but yes. still, like he absolutely deserved to be in the conversation after what he did um, in the regular season. It's just one of those things where, like, sure, the Flames' offense like isn't showing up, uh, or they aren't able to play their game in the way that they have been before. But you know, if your goalie can't stop the pucks that he should be stopping, uh, that's the real problem here. And it's just, it's a shame. I hope, like I said, I hope that, you know, he collects himself a little bit uh, in terms of like, you know, extending the series past five games. But, you know, by the time you hear this, you'll, we'll know if. You yes, know. this is true. <laughs> yeah. But th- that's the perils of doing this the way we do, but it's, it, it works better for our schedules. We're busy people. So It does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think when you, whenever you're facing a team and allowing them to score as if the entire roster is Austin Matthews shooting, mm-hmm. which is what Edmonton's doing right now, shooting at 17 and 17.05%. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's too much. That's at even strength. It's even worse. All, all. Oh, no, it's actually less uh, overall. 14.81, hey, you know including what? special teams. 
if the Oilers are able to get out of the second round, this is great because I think we talked about it last time that, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle are putting together points totals we haven't seen in the playoffs in a very long time. And that's really awesome yep. for the NHL. I know we're kind of just sitting here like down because, you know, the Battle of Alberta outside of the first game hasn't. And maybe like, you know, the with Mike Smith letting in that long range goal, like there has been some moments of chaos, but it hasn't, I guess, lived up to, you know, its potential because the Flames are kind of, uh, you know, not playing as well as we thought that they could, but it's, it'd be great. You know, if McDavid and them all advanced to like the conference final, like we could possibly have McDavid versus McKinnon. And like this, this feels like no one's going to be disappointed with that except for Flames fans. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But like it always, every year, it always seems like we get a team that like is like the Dallas stars or the Vegas golden Knights in their first year or, um, or the Montreal Canadians, no offense, Andrew, that, sneaks their way like sneaks their way into the stanley cup final and you know it's not always the best showing of the nhl's elite talent or whatever but you know getting your mcdavid's your mckinnon's and such in possibly in the third round your you know stamkos is your um you know if you know the rangers pull it out i guess we might talk about them a little bit uh your shesterkins like getting those like big either like established names or up and coming names in you know the last couple rounds of the playoffs is good it's really good and like i said no offense to you know the canadians or the golden knights when they're in their first year or the dallas stars or whatever but like you know i think that the nhl is probably pleased with the way that this is unfolding in terms of just like you know getting Connor mcdavid into the third round of the playoffs is very important for them i would assume I mean, I would also assume that, but I think the NHL does not operate in a way that pushes their stars, so they probably don't care at all. That's I will fair, say, about McDavid, though, he now has 25 points in 11 games. Only 21 people in the salary cap era have more points in a playoff year than McDavid this year. He's played 11 games. Uh-huh. The players who are above him have played 26, 27, 25, 22, 20, 20, 24, 22. Like, nobody is below 20. Yeah, yeah, his pace is insane. He's yeah. uh, That's why I want him to... Like, I want this series to go seven. I know I predicted the Flames. But my God, please get Connor McDavid into the third round. I want to see him tear it up, continue to just tear it up. Like, just... He's on a mission. He like... is. And he's, like, and he's not being deterred this year. Previously, like, you know, he would try his best. And, you know, last year when they got swept... You know, it was the whole thing about not getting, you know, penalties called against him and whatnot. Uh, But, you know, now it feels like, you know, he's got the support from his teammates, the support from his goaltender when, you know, he's not letting in goals from, uh, you know, more than half of the uh, rink. Uh, But, yeah, it just feels different for the Oilers this year. And, you know, we talked about it. Jay Woodcroft doing a really good job as head coach there. He is 100 percent, 100 percent and deserves to be given a lot of credit for for what's going on here, as do the Oilers as a team. They've been great. But uh, other than that, I guess we should check in slightly with the Hurricanes Rangers. Uh, Obviously, that game five is going tonight. It's a tied series as we record this. It won't be after. The Hurricanes still do not have a road win in these playoffs, but I believe are undefeated at home, which helps. Mm -hmm. So they're at home tonight. Uh, Pending tonight's result could be still undefeated at home. I have a feeling they're still going to win this series, but... It's, it's just a weird in more thing. doubt. Yeah, it's yeah. just a weird thing that they haven't been able to win on the road this year. Like 
we talked about how uh, in the terms of the you know the hierarchy of like the series excitement this one is on you know the ground the lowest floor. yeah yep. and it's still an interesting series but it doesn't have you know the drama there's there was some there was there's some sort of drama whether manufactured or coming in in terms of just like you know a pre-established rivalry or drama that was you know created inside of the series itself and this doesn't really have it outside of you know Gerard Gallant, uh, you know, not being a big fan of Tony D'Angelo, but who is really? Who is? Uh, so yeah, uh, but it, the, the Hurricanes thing on the road is just very strange, and you need to win on the road in order to, you know, win. It's a very abnormal thing if you can't win on the road but are still able to win, uh, like your series. So I don't know. It's just been a very weird thing for Carolina. This this like this playoffs. I don't know what to make of it. It still feels like that they have this you know, in their hands, but you know, Shesterkin though has been much better, much, much better this uh, series and you know, if he continues to be, you know, red hot and is back on his game you know, I'd be a little bit worried if I was the Hurricanes there. Because, Same. You know, it felt like they, they had control they were leading the series to nothing and they went to New York and it just, it's even again, but you know, it's basically a new series. It's best of three now. So we'll see what the Hurricanes can do. But I'm happy that Tristurkin has, you know, woken up. He looks more like himself um, and it's showing in this playoff series. Yeah, it is. And, you know, as much as I find the Rangers pretty boring to watch, <laughs> uh, it, it is cool to see Tristurkin actually show that he wasn't just a regular season guy. And he's really I know the, the Pittsburgh series was really tough for him because the Penguins put up like unbelievable amounts of offense in that series and really yeah. deserve to win. And probably would have won if uh, Trouba wasn't able to injure Crosby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty pretty fun situation there for New York Rangers fans. I think they're in a better situation right now than many of us expected them to be. But uh, we'll talk more about that series next week when we probably have a conclusion to it as it goes over the weekend. But first, before we move on to... What was our last one? Oh, right. Oh, torts. No. Torts. How could we forget? <laughs> we could never forget Torts. We talked about him many times already this year oh. on the show because of his boneheaded opinions on ESPN. But before we talk about Torts, we got to tell you about Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Mary, uh, obviously this tort situation with Philadelphia is super interesting to me because it was leaked essentially by torts to ESPN <laughs> that well, he was yeah. going to talk to the Philadelphia Flyers. And well, then... Good of him to do because you know you're under contract with your employee. It's like, yes, you know. yeah, he kind of has to. He has no choice, yeah. right? But then the Flyers kind of came out and were like, "Hold on, yes, but actually, we're interviewing many people." Well, yeah. But it seems like I'm looking at this whole situation, and it might be a little bit written in the stars on <laughs> two conditions. One is that Torts goes in there with the mind of like bringing back the Broad Street Bullies. And that, I think, fits very well with his personality and could make them play in a way that is, like, very Philadelphia. I feel like there's a mesh there mm -hmm. that people who don't like torts don't want to admit <laughs> because there there is something there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in he gets the cast. And, yes. like, his, yeah, like, 
keep going. But the other thing is, is that the Flyers have to be doing a quick reset because mm-hmm. Tortorella is not a long-term coach. He has coached for long stretches and periods, but the time that he gets positive results is like two to three years. So if they plan to bring in John Tortorella for a two to three year stretch to get the Flyers playing Broad Street Bullies hockey to build an identity and then for somebody else to come in and take that and ascend them to the next level as, you know, Carter Hart is in his prime of primes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm listening to it. If they think Tortorella is going to come in and immediately they're going to become a contender. I think that's a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. There's a lot here. I said it on Twitter that like for the content, it would be very good for the content because like, you know, Tortorella versus the Philly media would be like, you know, it, it, it would be good for content. Like, you know, it, it feels like a very, it's a very Philadelphia fit. I will absolutely give it that. It is 100% a Broad Street Bullies-esque type move. And considering would the people. Torts be a tougher interview than Jacob Voracek? God. Uh, oh man, Voracek. When I've talked to him, has been nice to me. But like you know, yeah. But I mean, he has his. He, I mean, we know. But like, I think it's you know, Tortorella is abrasive all the time. Jake Voracek might not be as abrasive unless you you know write a bunch of columns about how bad he is or something like that. So yes, deserved. Be, when when Jake yeah. Voracek goes after you. Yeah, uh, it might be a little bit different, but like. It, like I said, it feels like a very Flyers, Broad Street Bully-esque move, which fits considering the people in the front office are people like Bobby Clark, who was yep. a part of that regime uh, and such in in the Flyers past. And look, Tortorella gets results. There's no denying that he, you know, he's, a, by the numbers, a good hockey coach. Has gotten, you know, like, overall has a positive coaching record. Uh, got the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets to the playoffs in four consecutive seasons. Uh, only made it to the second round in one of them, but like still got them to the playoffs, which is more than the Flyers can say in their recent history. Um, you know, had good enough success with the Rangers. Uh, like, like he's gotten teams to the playoffs multiple times, and you know he won the Stanley Cup with the Lightning way, 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 way back in the day. But what concerns me is his mentality on the players that are high skilled and yep. doesn't want them yep. in the game. And it is very frustrating. <laughs> it's, it, it's such a double edged sword. It really is like on one hand, great content with the media has a proven track record of at least, you know, getting teams to the playoffs and has won a Stanley cup. Not really in the modern era as much, but like, you know, he's, by the numbers, a good NHL head coach. But his philosophy on talented NHL players is frustrating, to say the least, especially because that seems to be the way the league is going. You don't see a lot of like teams that are, first and foremost, heavy-hitting bruisers and stuff like that win championships. You have to have skill in this league. You have to have players like Nathan McKinnon, like Nikita Kucherov, like Johnny Gaudreau. You know, you need to have those types of players on your team. And it feels like if the Flyers got John Tortorella, they wouldn't want those types of players on their team. They would want more, you know, blue collar stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I wonder if forwards, your Cam you Atkinson know. is like seriously. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I completely <laughs> forgot about that angle to it all. So yeah, it is just. I don't think Barry Trotz is going to pick Philadelphia because he has the pick of whoever he wants. 
Uh, and I just don't think that it's an attractive uh, job for him in Philadelphia. It, it also just doesn't fit, like, stylistically. Like, the Flyers are at a huge crossroads with where they see themselves. Like, the ideal way for me and a lot of fans would be for them to continue to tank and not play well. And, you know, give up. Not give up. But, like, it seems as if the Ron Hextall draft picks... We're not as good as once thought, which is a shame because for a long time we thought that, you know, your Travis Konechny's and uh, Nolan Patrick's uh, of the world were going to be really, really good. And we had been sold for a very long time as fans that, you know, basically a trust the process thing, much like the Sixers of like, you know, Hextall amassed all these draft picks. And, you know, you, you've got your your Morgan Frosts and whatnot, but nothing that none of them have panned out into you know, as good as they should have been or better. Uh, and that's kind of what you need. You need to hit on draft picks. And the Flyers felt like they have not hit on any single one. So it just feels like, you know, a failure from that regard. And I don't know if some of the players have been put in good positions to succeed, uh, especially because, you know, we've had COVID seasons and it's, you know, it's, you know, hurt a lot on players' mentality, especially like Carter Hart, who said he struggled in the, you know, the one year with all the COVID stuff happening and just... I get it. It feels like uh, the players weren't in a position to succeed, but it also feels like that they've been given ample opportunity to succeed uh, and, you know, whatnot. And they just haven't shown, like, you know, uh, players on bad teams, like, if you're a good player, you can still rise uh, and, you know, show something. But it, it feels like no one on the Flyers has risen to really show something, uh, especially of that younger crowd. So a lot of people believe that the Flyers should basically, like, continue to, like, tank. I, they they're not going to get Connor Bernard, but like it, it doesn't feel like it, basically people feel like they should cut their losses at this point and try and do another rebuild essentially. But on the other hand, then you have Comcast and the like, you know, the higher ups in the Flyers that believe that they are aggressive retools away from making it work. And fundamentally, it doesn't feel like they are because they're missing, you know, those core star pieces they're, they're outside of like sean couturier who isn't an offensive stud he is a defensive stud but not an offensive one they're missing an offensive a huge key offensive player they're missing an offensive star Giroux could have been that for some time and he was um but he was doing it by himself but there is no like offensive core here there, there really isn't uh, you, one of the players i like is joel farabee but like even he isn't like a, a top end superstar in this league. You need players like a McDavid Dreisaitl. You need a Crosby Malkin. You need a Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk thing. You need that core, and the Flyers don't have it. And you can buy your way into that, but it's expensive. It really is. Um, so the Flyers are at a crossroads. All that to say, they're at a crossroads, and this coaching search is really going to dictate where they're going to be. If Tortorella becomes their coach, they're probably, like you said, going to try and do a quick turnaround that I feel like is only going to continue to end up in mediocrity because they yep. don't have the bare bones to of a, of a successful team in this NHL. Like, like I said, there is no, you know, Stamkos Kucherov headman on this. They team. have good pieces, but not the cornerstone pieces. No. And that is what you need in this NHL. And especially, you know, we've seen it in the, in the playoffs and we've talked about it extensively and just, like I said, I don't think Trotz is going to be the head coach because it doesn't make sense. It it would be a shame to lose out on a coach like that, but it just doesn't make sense. I've heard Flyers fans want, you know, Jim Montgomery, um, you know, because he feels like a good stylistic fit. 
I don't know. It's they're just at a weird position. If there was, you know, a Marty St. Louis waning in the wings for the Flyers at head coach, I'd be all for it. But I don't think there is. I mean, Danny Breer is basically seems to be being tapped as possibly the next GM for the team, but he's not, you know, the coach. So it's just it's it's a lot of frustration in Flyers land. And, you know, while Tortorella would probably mesh with the, you know, Broad Street Bullies aspect of this Flyers team, it probably isn't going to do anything for them, you know, in the long term in terms of, you know, winning a Stanley Cup. Which yeah. is, you know, it would help. It would probably help, you know, Chuck Fletcher for a couple of years. Like maybe they, you know, are a bubble playoff team and then lose in the first round or whatever. But we've yeah, that's seen the that. thing. Just, Tortorella we... can get teams to punch above their weight in the short mm-hmm. term. But since 2004, he hasn't really had that much success getting over being a bubble team. Yeah. And we've done that before as as a Flyers organization. Uh, I mean, frankly, you know, been, that's what they been, were trying to do with Vigneault and Terrian, right? Yeah, like, we've been just... the bubble team. They've been the bubble team that, you know, bows out in the first round. They had that one year in the COVID bubble or whatever. Uh, or who was it? They beat Montreal. Yeah, they beat Montreal, then lost to New York. But, like, it's the same old story with the Flyers. It just doesn't... It, it's a shame to feel this way because I still love the team. But, like... <sighs> There's a lot wrong with them, and a lot of that stems from the mentality in the organization that, you know, players have to be a certain kind of way and stuff like that. And, you know, it just sucks. But Tortorella (laughs) would fit perfectly in what the management wants, but I don't think what management wants is the long-term solution here. I'm willing to be surprised. I absolutely am willing to be surprised here because, hey, you never know. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know hockey that well. I just, you know, talk about it and write about it. But like, I don't know. But but still, like, it doesn't look good for the Flyers, for the future. It's just, it is what it is. But at least if, you know, Tortorella joins the team, the content will be fun. At least. It will be. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it there on Torts to Philly and we'll see if it happens. It's only an interview. We don't have yeah. no freakouts yet. But, That's true. Uh, I've, I've I've had interviews that never go anywhere. So this is true. We've all been there. <laughs> we've Andrew. all been there for sure. But uh, before we move on to our pop culture segment, we got to talk to you about Built Bar. We've been asking, and Built delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors: chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? Get a mix box at built.com right now. These are so different from the Built Bars and the Puffs. Built Granola Bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like Bars and Puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to a better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they're made with the collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. If you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now and get to the Built Granola Bars. Three delicious flavors to try. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You gotta get yours today. Go to Built.com to get Built Granola Bars right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Mary, I don't know how much uh, pop culture you've been enjoying, but uh, I have been 
watching two series over the last few weeks here in my downtime when I'm not watching the playoffs. Uh, the first is the final season of Ozark, mm-hmm. which I finished last week before I went to, off to see a wedding. And I didn't like the last season. <laughs> I, you, had talked, you had talked about it before because I remember it being written in our, in our doc, but I don't remember anything. But interesting. Tell me why. And can yeah. you at least explain a little bit what the show is about in terms of just... Genre. yeah okay so full spoilers for those who haven't seen the ending of ozark uh do not listen from now on i'm not gonna watch uh, it so go for it ozark, at least for me but ozark is a very uh like breaking bad style show in there's a guy who's played whose name is marty bird who's played by uh forget the name now but the main character from arrested development mm-hmm. uh jason something anyway uh he's like a like a financial analyst, a financial planner type guy, but he's just absolutely brilliant. And a guy comes in saying that he needs a financial analyst for his tile company and he wants to hire somebody independent. And he looks over his books and he's like, this guy is laundering excessive amounts of money. And he's like, hey, uh, just so you know, I can figure this out. So most people are going to be able to figure this out and blah, 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 whatever. And the guy ends up being like, yeah, well, I'm a drug dealer. I work for the cartel. And he's like, will you work for me? Here's how much money we'll pay you. And he was like, uh, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, everything escalates and goes downhill from there. And they end up moving to the Ozarks to launder money through, uh, they build like a riverboat casino and just like, everything is always like going wrong. And he's trying to like fix it for his family and his wife gets involved. And she's somehow even more ruthless than he becomes. Mm -hmm. And they involve this girl named Ruth in the Ozark Ozarks, who is uh, like her whole family is a bunch of criminals, but she's just like really charismatic and good. And they end up just like falling out really badly. And in the end, the birds kind of all get away with it and get out Mm -hmm. clean. And Ruth gets killed. Oh, man. Yeah. As the fall fall guy, basically. Essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Like the cartel never goes away because they like end up partnering with the FBI and the FBI is like, yeah, just give us money, <laughs> which is uh, very real life. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's definitely one of those things where I remember reading a lot of analysis of Breaking Bad, like, oh, the series was bad because in the end, Walt got what he wanted. And I don't think that the bad guys winning is necessarily bad. But I think that the way that they ended this series with Ruth was like really callous and you feel it. But also, I don't know, it just seems very shrugged off in the end. It wasn't satisfying. Yeah, it wasn't satisfying. It, 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 Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know nothing outside of the plot you just told me, but like it doesn't sound like a satisfying ending. There could have been other ways to do what they did, but make yeah. it more satisfying to the audience that goes that went through that journey or the yeah so the whole thing like you're it's like a very edge of your seat Mm -hmm. drama the entire time and in the end you're just like wow really Mm -hmm. that's where you went yeah (laughs) and it's like it's understandable from from certain perspectives but also like really kind of gross and then the other series that i've been watching has just been much more fun which was uh, abbott elementary which i've been watching on uh, Disney Plus, which is just uh, uh, like the Office or Parks and Rec style comedy about following a, a bunch of teachers at an elementary school in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. And it's really cute. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. 
Yeah, uh, that sounds fun. Uh, speaking of Disney stuff, uh, it, I actually have something. This upcoming weekend is the season finale of The Owl House, which I've talked about. Uh, my sister and I are really big into like animated shows. We've watched like Gravity Falls together, She-Ra, all that stuff. Uh, and The Owl House is another one of those like really awesome like animated shows and whatnot. And the season finale slash like not series finale because it got canceled by disney because it's you know one of those shows that has a lot of really awesome representation and disney's like no we can't have that uh (laughs) but uh it's getting the end of this season and i think like a handful of movies before it you know the series itself concludes uh but it is very dramatic and i'm worried about some of the characters but uh it's a great show so definitely check it out if you have any sort of like leanings in terms of like animation and stuff like that it's got some really cool world building too awesome reveals great character moments and arcs and good representation uh and obviously by the time you guys listen to this uh obi-wan and apparently stranger things will be out so we've got a lot of pop culture to catch up on andrew i'm definitely going to make obi-wan the priority here because i'm going away for a wedding this upcoming weekend and it's a long weekend so like hopefully by the time on tuesday i will have at least watched that in some of the new stranger things season so i don't think we can go full spoilers on stranger things by the time we talk again but like there's a lot of pop culture coming out now uh so that'll be good and it's stuff i'm interested in too because you know obi-wan we've talked about uh very exciting stuff cannot wait to see that show and stranger things i don't i don't think we've talked about it but it's been a while since the last season i'm trying to remember it was before the pandemic i believe so maybe that's why it's uh you know, I can't really remember, but I am looking forward to that. And, you know, so there'll be at least stuff to talk about next week. But uh, I'll have to, you know, juggle my time effectively because I'm going to be away for a good portion of the weekend. For sure. I've seen a bunch of TikToks going around about uh, people being like, you know, uh, to the people who are going to watch Stranger Things before Kenobi. And it's like them igniting a lightsaber. <laughs> it's like the the quote from Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> is it? I assume Kenobi is going to be like a weekly yes every friday so so there's at least that so like i can watch the first episode of kenobi then start stranger things as best i can so we'll see we'll we'll see because i got stuff to do tomorrow bothers me about stranger things is netflix is trying to move away from their pure binge mode Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing they did with ozark which like i didn't start ozark until the second half of the final season came out because i wasn't going to sit around and wait i think it was like three or four months in between because these are shows that require you to pay a lot of attention and I'm not going to rewatch half a season in the same yeah. year to like f- remember what happened, but they're doing the same thing with stranger things. I think it's like two months in between right, the first yeah. half and the second half. Second half and yeah. at the same time, everything's available right away to binge. So like if you don't binge it right away, the internet on a series that popular is full of spoilers. Mm-hmm. So you can't not binge it, but then you have to wait two months for the rest of the season. Just like, Get your shit together, Netflix, and I know do week that, by week. Yeah, I know that the binge thing was popular, but it... Okay, this is like a very it's, out there... It's immediate gratification, yes. but it nothing but stays no with you. Yes. No. So, okay, this is very out there, and I've never even watched the anime, but I've seen people talk about how I think Netflix had one of one of the new seasons of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's an anime. It, that is not important, but one of the criticisms was that Netflix is like... Um, they drop it all at once compared to like an anime that is weekly, like a show like Spy Family, like I've been watching weekly with my friends. Like you drop it all at once and the conversation is all at once, happens all at once, and then it disappears like 
within like a handful of weeks or whatever and there's yep. no longevity so i think i think that's basically what you're getting at here is like part of the thing of like you know you have to remember what happens because it all came out at once and it's a lot to go through and you're binging it and it's great immediately because you know instant gratification but then like you know also spoilers you get inundated with spoilers because if you're not fast enough watching it people like there's no like time there's memes everywhere yeah, there's memes there's no time limit because it's the internet it's a free-for-all it's uh, just it's not it's not good for enjoyment it's not good for the mm -hmm. longevity of a series yeah it's just not good overall and like wandavision would mm -hmm. not have been nearly as good if we yeah. got it all at once exactly it was that suspense. It was the mystery and the fan theories that you got to read and people picking out like freeze frames of like, look at this little thing. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. That anticipation means something. And I feel like Stranger Things is a series that could really benefit from that okay. and how popular it already is. I feel like it'd be way more popular yeah. weekly. And I, like, I love the instant gratification of binging as well. Although mm -hmm. I'm not able to do it nearly as much now that I have children that demand my <laughs> attention at all times. And, like, by the time they get to bed, I can do one episode of something and then I'm half asleep. But it just isn't good. It isn't I think it good. has its place for certain things. Maybe more, like, comedy-focused shows. Maybe. Sure, yeah. Like, I like think, something I like think, The Office. Yeah, binging. Like, the, the you know, the binge, whatever. The, uh, the 22-minute the comedy is great yeah, for binging. Like, yeah, like stuff like that. I think it has its place, but for something like a drama or mm -hmm. you know whatnot, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel, like the moments don't get to sit. Basically, they don't get the you know the drama they deserve. They don't get the you know the the talked about like you know if Game of Thrones had dropped all of their seasons like one of their seasons all at once like it, it, would it wouldn't be, build. Yeah, it wouldn't. Like, it you need you need that break. Like you need that time for things to simmer. You need fans to talk, mm -hmm. fans to have theories. And sure, maybe the part one and part two. I don't know how many episodes are in each, um, but maybe there'll be that like, you know, couple month break where you know theories will start to you know pop up. But like I don't know. It just it definitely feel feels like, like you you risk that with that much of a break. You risk people not caring anymore. Yeah, that's right. A good point. And in the second half of Ozark like for the first half I saw a lot of people talking about Ozark being back and the first half of the last season was actually quite good the second half I didn't see anyone talking about it because I, I think when you split it people just stop caring right yeah. they have other things going on in their lives there's such a busy schedule for streaming and different shows now I think yeah. Stranger Things is a, a series that can really uh, be advanced with it. and the thing is like if you're just gonna binge all the time What's even the point of splitting it up into episodes? Just make a super long movie. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like, what's the point of having a cliffhanger on an episode just to keep you pressing click next? Mm -hmm. just if you want to watch the series, you're going to click next anyway. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so funny how this is unrelated because I feel like we're wrapping up the episode. I love how the very beginning, we're like, this is going to be a short episode. Then we spend like 20 minutes 20 talking minutes. about the Oilers and then 20 minutes talking about pop culture or and 20 minutes about me talking about John Torrell. Great stuff. Incredible energy we are going into the weekend with. I'm so here for this. But yes, there was <laughs> Just a lot us of pop railing culture. against streaming. It's, I mean, yeah, it is. An, it, it, yeah. I mean, especially because we haven't, like, you can see the. All, one last thing you can see the way disney does it in terms of like their once a week stuff and the, the way that they built it i still think that disney should go to like dropping it in a more for like more time like um like a specific time that isn't just like on the west coast like dropping it at like 8 p.m eastern or whatever uh so you know we can basically get our like game of thrones type thing again because it feels like we haven't had a like the Mandalorian has had that, but it felt like 
those moments were lost because everybody was watching the episode at different times. Um, and we weren't all having our, you know, live tweeting reaction. I just missed that basically. But yeah, I think the Netflix thing can work for some series, but it is past its by for dramas, I think. Yeah, it has. All right. That's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. Now make your second listen locked on NHL from first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark at Mary C. Clark and the podcast at Crosscheck NHL. Thanks for talk or listening to us or watching us, and we'll see you again next Tuesday.